0: Listeners, welcome to this week's episode of Extreming Disney, the podcast focused on Disney+. Plus. I decided to do things a little bit differently on um, starting with today. And instead of doing our main topic first, I thought it would be good for us to talk about the additional content where we talk about the latest episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is episode four. And man, am I excited to talk about this week's episode. Um, to do so, I brought back on returning guest Terry Bonney. Um, big fan of m c u movies and I know she must be super hyped to talk about this too Terry thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, oh my gosh, you surprised me. I didn't know I was first today
0: yeah well it's i I don't know i I think I'm just messing with the the order of things I think you know just this might just be i want i wanna just try some things out so you are first you're gonna be first before our good friend Landon Cornish, who um will be talking about. Glory Road. Uh, later on, as we talk about a a basketball movie, um, yeah, which which I'm super excited to talk about as well. Which obviously I already recorded. But yeah, Terry, um, are you excited about Falcon and Winter Soldier so far?
1: Oh my goodness! You <laughs> you, you know I'm a buggy Barnes girl. You are. <laughs> you are. As far as the men of the Marvel, like. Carol Danvers and Kamala Khan have a special place in my heart because I'm a Miss Marvel girl first and foremost. But as soon as I read civil war and the following death of captain America, I have been a Bucky Barnes girl. Mm -hmm. He is just the best to me.
0: And let's, let's be honest. I mean, you know, Sebastian Stan he's pretty easy on the eye oh you know? boy howdy <laughs>
1: another fr- another friend of mine is also watching this and every week I send them a text that basically says this is your weekly reminder that I would die for and or do illegal things for Bucky Barnes mm. which also means Sebastian Stan so
0: sure sure
1: they're interchangeable to me
0: yes Yes. And, man, I I think, I don't know for you, but, you know, at at the first episode, I wasn't necessarily, like, 100% on. But each episode that has come out has become increasingly better for me.
1: Oh, same. I mean, we're four for four on episodes where Bucky's backstory has made me super emotional. Right. And... I really loved episode one's introduction of Sam's life outside of the Avengers. Right. Not necessarily upset that we haven't really seen that very much, but I'm loving that this is kind of centering on Bucky. And I think we get down to the heart of it in this episode with their conversation about the super soldier serum.
0: Oh, there is so much foreshadowing within this episode with what comes later on um centered around the super soldier serum and the the vials that carly has and the motivations of of what goes into being a super soldier i found it to be so interesting i love how this episode we get more with with carly um was that her name yeah yeah i um i i knew her first name i was wasn't 100% on the pronunciation of her last name, or I remember it off the top of my head. But I I love everything that we got with Sam in this episode. I love everything we got with Bucky in this episode, especially in that flashback that we kind of get opened up with. And with Zemo, and with um, John Walker. I think it just, everybody is getting, is going up, increasingly so.
1: It's all coming together really nicely. And they all have, like, there are so many Things that my brain just thought of um there I almost just because it doesn't this needs less conversation but I'm loving the relationship of Sam and Bucky and the closest thing I can equate it to is I think that's everything that Hobbs and Shaw was shooting for Mm. but couldn't quite put their
0: finger on sure yeah, you know, you know, as you're talking, you know, who I thought you were going to say, and it, it, I, I was thinking of Legolas and Gimli. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Oh, that's
0: perfect. Because <laughs> I think I they're think... becoming more and more comfortable with each other, more and more trusting of one another. You know. Um, yeah, and... I think
1: the missing piece in Hobbs and Shaw is that they don't care about each other that much. Right. It's more of a means to an end kind of thing. Sure. And like Sam and Bucky kind of have that little competition thing because Bucky was Steve's best friend and then they think that he's dead. So then Sam's Steve's best friend and then they meet and they're like, so you're the new girlfriend? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I'm loving how they're getting used to each other and they're still annoyed by each other. Mm -hmm. But now we're at this point where they're like, well, clearly we can't trust John Walker, so you're going to have to do.
0: <laughs> yes. And I I think their their chemistry really works together and you really um, get to know who they are, you know, more and more, which is obviously it's the series named after them. Kind of, oh, yeah. You know, where, where we get this episode, it, it starts off with a flashback between Bucky and Aoya or Ayo. Yeah, that's it. Ayo, A-Y-O. Um, who is at the Dora Mirage? And I loved that flashback scene. Sebastian oh, stands acting in that they're, scene. Is they're phenomenal. really breaking.
1: They're really breaking my heart yeah. with this series, honestly. And I, I think that backstory stuff really ties into the conversation that they start with the Super Soldier Serum. My mouth has such a hard time saying that mm-hmm. um, because. Is it it Zemo that makes, that they talk about this with, that the serum is going to bring out the strongest parts of your personality, regardless of your outward motivations for taking the serum?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just heightens, I, I believe that, I believe you're right. Yeah, it just heightens what is already there.
1: Because Sam, or sorry, Steve chose to take it for entirely actual pure reasons because of who steve was deep down as a person steve wanted to protect the little guy steve didn't like bullies steve believed in what he was doing and right. carly also believes in what she's doing i don't necessarily think that i'm on the side where I think she's really the bad guy right now.
0: Yeah, let's, I mean, you're you're saying, like, a million different things at once that I I want want to table.
1: (laughs) I want to table that one about Carly.
0: Yeah, I want to get, I I think you have some really good points, because I I think of Erkstein in the first Captain American movie, and where he says to Steve, he doesn't want a great soldier. He wants a good man.
1: Yeah, and Bucky, Bucky didn't get to choose.
0: Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah, so, and, and what we also have to distinguish the fact that what Bucky has is not the super soldier serum, it's the winter soldier stuff. Oh, that, right, right, that Armin Zola did to him. But yeah, it's um, but you know, there is still this distinction with him, you know, as as being a super powered individual, you know, who, right. who has these abilities.
1: And he says in episode three, I think, when he's in therapy with Sam if Steve was wrong about you, then Steve is wrong about me. Right. And I think that all ties this package together with Bucky's backstory, that he has to wrestle with all the things that he did, and now Z- Zemo is throwing this idea at him that the serum... Because in I think on a base level, they're very similar serums. They make you more of who you are, and Bucky is kind of having to wrestle with this idea that they brainwashed him versus right. is that who i really am
0: right right and i think you know where we really see the contrast mostly though with most of the dialogue that we get around the super soldier serum in this and contrasting with steve is really also a contrast with walker oh and it's yeah really setting things up later so with um zemo when he's talking to bucky and sam about being supremacists and how the whole idea of having a super soldier is tied into supremacists. You know, you, you, I really see that tied in. And he says, you know, yeah, you know, I think Bucky says, well, what about Steve? And Zemo says, well, we haven't ever had another Steve Rogers, have we? Right. And so that's again, is always going to contrast. And then you have the conversation between the flag smashers and, you know, the guy who, meets his end at the very end of the episode, who's talking to Carly and he's talking about how he's always looked up to Captain America. And now they're on the run from Captain America and he's really encouraging her and saying, "Of you know, I see the the virtues and the value that Steve has, or, you know, the original Captain America had within you. And so I think, you know, that these are all contrasting to what we see ultimately happen at the very end with Sam it's all foreshadowing it's all setting things up and it's I thought it was done brilliantly
1: right and I think with John he is used to being the top of his class like they go in the second episode they go through all of these in the field achievements that make him worthy of carrying the name Captain America that aren't necessarily personality traits just him being the strongest or the fastest right and he's so used to that That the Dora Milaje, not only are they women who kick his butt, they're not... He he says they weren't even super soldiers. Right. And he just is so blown away by the fact that, like, he doesn't even take into consideration how long people in Wakanda train to be that good.
0: Yeah.
1: That he just can't even comprehend that he was beaten... By a group of people who weren't super soldiers.
0: Right. And I, you know, we, we see it from the very beginning with Walker and his storyline. And, and, you know, we, we know, we see the cracks within him kind of early on, you know, especially when he tries to shake somebody down in the previous episode. He's like, don't you know who I am? And I think there's a quote that I love is. Um, um, what is it? Titles. Oh, gosh, now I'm, I'm blanking it. It's, <laughs> it's not the title that makes the leader it's the leader that makes the title and you know he expects has this expectation that just because he has the name of captain america on him he has this expectation that people are going to respect him people are going to look to him the same way like you see him when he first introduces himself to the dora mirage and that hope that he's like hey you know we can be all on the level here together but they yeah don't know who and are, he you are they don't they're like who are you kind of in a sense and you, and you see that entitlement kind of crack open and which really leads him to make the decision of taking the, sol- the super soldier serum himself.
1: And you can see like he did not educate himself the way that someone who is taking on the mantle of Captain America should with the people that Captain America has allied himself with, because he completely just patronizes the Dora Milaje doesn't even know who they are. Right. Like they are, they're, basically like they are the guards of the royalty of Wakanda right one of your biggest allies at this stage in the game you should know who they are
0: yeah 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 and you know I I, I, I gotta give props because I think you know he is we are made to hate him so much so but you know Wyatt Russell I just keep going back to it, he is doing a great job and he's getting hate online for his role. And I think it's always going to be important for us to remember that, you know, these are actors who are in a job given a role to do. And, you know, they're, they're never deserving of like negative negativity in the sense of like death threats to the person themselves. And I think, I think he's doing a great job in this role. And, yeah, yeah, I'm loving him. Um, I, I want I want to go back. I'm sorry because I mentioned I, I um, that first scene, and I wanted to talk about the emotion on Bucky in that flashback scene. Um, we rabbit trailed all the way from that, but it's okay. Um, his acting in that scene where you know um, he's gone through the process where they they really pulled the Winter Soldier stuff out of him as far as the trigger words that make him go into the you know the the mindless killing machine and that emotion on his face where he's crying but there's also such relief for him is so beautifully done and i just needed to praise that here just you know before we go too much farther because that set things up and i just i loved it him in that scene probably it's my favorite scene ever with winter soldier in all the mcu
1: they just are doing they're doing such a good job with him like he's getting the treatment that i wished captain marvel had gotten and Mm -hmm. i'm just really i'm really happy to see like at least one of my favorite characters getting the on-screen treatment that i would have hoped Mm -hmm. to see and i think They're going really well. I know that they intended this to be the first TV show, but with WandaVision coming first, I think they're really going really nicely hand in hand, tackling some big issues for people on a personal level. If Wanda Mm. is a really good look at how humans process grief, I think Bucky and Sam are both, really incredible looks at how people would deal with post-traumatic stress sure yeah um sam not as intensely but we you know you do know that sam and steve become friends because sam is a counselor
0: for veterans and is one himself which i'm so glad they pulled that back into this episode because that's when we first meet him as he's introduced in the MCU back in winter soldier, as you know, I worked out at the VA working with veterans and, you know, dealing with trauma. And he, I love, I see that's where I really loved him in this episode was that scene with Carly. It wasn't, it was incredible. There's no one better equipped
1: to understand what Carly is going through than Sam.
0: Exactly. And I, and so the way that he is able to enter that scene and her expectation of what might be happening. And that he is able to de-escalate it to some degree. A huge degree. To the point that they're kind of sitting on the same table. Talking and chatting. Very like. You know her guard is down. It's not necessarily what you're going for. But you're. he's trying to relate to her. He's trying to teach her. He's trying to come alongside her. He's even trying to validate her. You know with, with um, the reasons. That she is going about it. He sees. The fact of, you know, hey, you know, they I, and I think what I love mostly when it comes to the Flag Smashers and Carly is that they're just misguided villains, which are always the best kind, you know, they're, right. the reasons that they're doing it is important, but the way they go about it, and you know, Sam addresses it, like you're killing people, that's not okay, you know?
1: Yeah, I think this show is also doing, a, like, great things for the importance of therapy, in situations like that. And I had a friend after the first episode yes. tell me that he didn't think Bucky should be in therapy. And I was like, no, it's just because they're writing his therapist weird. Oh, she's, I thought she
0: was great.
1: I think she's fantastic. She's just sassing him back more than a therapist maybe would. Sure. But therapy is 100% the place that Bucky should be. Yeah. For To give him tools to deal with. With everything he's been through for the last 75 years. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I think that the scene with Sam is a really great example of somebody who understands de escalation from a therapy standpoint, Mm -hmm. like Sam, and somebody who doesn't see it at all. And that's John Walker. Sam says, Give me time with her. And John says, okay but no (laughs) yeah and sam's getting somewhere
0: oh yeah yeah it's um it's so frustrating obviously we're so frustrated with walker in this episode there's there's one thing that has confused me a little bit with the flag smashers and i think it just has to do i don't know if this is a problem with the show that it didn't kind of really clear it up for me or not and i don't know if i just missed it so the flag smashers They have a problem with the GRC, which is the global re whatever council or whatever group that's focused on basically getting all these people who've been snapped back into existence, you know, back onto their feet or whatnot. And so my question comes as far as the the, where the Flag Smashers are motivated. Are they motivated to help the people who have come back after the snap or the people who are always there? And now, like, because you, you get the sense that obviously they're they're helping the disenfranchised, they're helping the people who are neglected, they're helping basically confused on which end of it in in the turn in the sense of who they're helping. Is it is it the people who came back who now they don't have a home, or is it the people who've always been around and now they're being forced out? You know what I mean? From
1: from what I understand, there is a conversation where they were they're talking about how the people who were left after the snap were welcomed into empty cities with open arms because people were just looking for connection and then when everyone was snapped back into reality 5 years later exactly where they left off these people that were welcomed in now are all of a sudden being pushed out and treated like right. refugees so my understanding is they're on the side of the people
0: who have exactly. always
1: who were not snapped who who did not right. get snapped out yeah and that's
0: what I that's what I thought that have so that always I was been there just feeling a little confused but anyway now that that clears that up um, you you love Carly
1: I do actually I do actually really like her but I also really really love your ambiguous antagonist. Like, I love Loki because sometimes Loki's good and sometimes he's bad and you could chalk it up to his daddy issues But about being adopted. I just, I love thinking about why Loki does the things he does and I love Carly and now that I'm seeing more discourse online about Carly and about John Walker and getting further into the series, I'm wondering who they're actually setting up to be the bad guy here. And I've kind of decided that as of right now, I don't really think Carly is the bad guy. I think John Walker is the bad guy. Yeah, I think... In a more moral kind of way, instead of an action, like what they're doing as actions. Right.
0: And I think, you know, I think they are... And this is where I would hope that they would go. And I think it, it, it brings ambiguity there was a conversation that the guy who died at the end of the episode had with carly where he he says hey you know things are not so clear on who's the good guys and who are the bad guys there's a lot more gray and so i think with that Mm -hmm. what i would prefer is again i think for both carly and the flag smashers who i would say are misguided villains and john walker to really both be The villains because if you think about it there there are two different extremes on each side of the argument or of 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 where things are at within the show and oftentimes you know with that i think we can that really kind of plays into the fact that there is that gray and there's there's ways for on both sides of usual usually anything within this world to kind of fall off the cliff on or on one side of, the, of an argument and to fall off on the other, you know? And so I think we're really made to enjoy her and to see where she's coming from and to understand, I would sim- say similar to from Black Panther, uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, you know, a real likable villain right. who has really great points and reasoning within the motivations that they have. But within that, you know, you right. don't go and kill people, Carly. So- in the same way, Walker, you don't go and just kill someone, you know. Um, so let's let's actually talk about this because I think it's going to be interesting, and I really love him in this series. Um, let's talk about the person who's actually a hero or actually a villain, and whom we love, and that's Zemo.
1: <laughs>
0: they gave him they gave him so much personality,
1: and it cracks me up. Like, I have been meaning to go back and watch Winter Soldier and Civil War because I, I'm i not even going to try to lie to you. I do not remember what part he had to play in the other movies, but he is just
0: well, hysterical. He's, he's so brilliant, and he has that he's the, he's the the hidden hand that moves moves the pieces around the board in Civil War. And he's also just, he's so smart in this, but go on.
1: I love, like, he's he's kind of like a Loki sort of guy at this point, you know? Like, he's not really on the side of the Avengers, clearly, or he wouldn't be in jail. But he also knows that Carly is misguided, and while she has a lot of valid goals that she's fighting for she's young and she's emotional and if that serum gets into the wrong hands we're in trouble like he realizes that we cannot have 20 Mm -hmm. random
0: people as super soldiers that would be bad i was i was kind of i was thinking about this you know um you see him when he shoots her and he has the opportunity and he's holding the serums I was like, "Oh, he's going to take that with him and he's going to inject himself." That's like you know, it makes too. sense that what he does is smash them. Because if you think about what his motivation was in Civil War, he he his motivation is based on the fact that the world is not better off with these superpowered individuals. We're better off without them because they are the ones who cause destruction. They're the ones who cause Collateral damage, um, in which basically he lost right. his family. That's what it was all about. He lost his family. Right? Was he from? And so that's for him right to smash all of them actually makes more sense because he's like he's he knows that um, this is only going to actually um, cause more problems. It makes sense just where his motivation is as a character.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, go ahead. And I, his chemistry with Sam and. And Bucky, like the three of them them just all really work mm-hmm. really well together. And I just, I just love it. You know it. what,
0: I mean, we're probably to some degree, we're talking about who's going to be the real villain between Carly and Walker. We can't, we can't discount him. We can't forget that he is really True. there too. And he's got out of prison, you know, and he's making himself increasingly more valuable to Bucky and Sam you know, in order for them not to turn him over to Wakanda or turn him back into, um, you know, the, to the prison that he was in before, you know? So he is, he's withholding information. He gets the information from the little girl, but he's not forthright with the information because he, he wants to keep himself in a valuable position where he's able to manipulate and work and do things behind the scenes. And yeah, I, I think Danielle Bruhl. Is a brilliant actor, and I love him in this role. I always have since Civil War. Um, yeah. So um, I I do also. We have to. I think you're gonna love this. I love the scene too when um, they're fighting the Dormirage in their um, in their apartment, and the one girl who you know has this history, a um, ayo who has a history with Bucky, hits all the right pressure points, and his arm falls off. I thought that was so cool. Oh,
1: the look—the look of like surprised betrayal on his face, and then Sam just going, "Did you know they could do that?"
0: (laughs) And he's like, "No." So cool.
1: I just—I love too that like Sam and Bucky just have nothing to give. You know what? I'm this is a G-rated podcast. I'm leaving out the rest of that freeze. You can fill it in at home, but they really are just like, we just need this conflict to be over. And if that means you need to come in here and like rough up John Walker a little bit, by all means, knock him down a little bit and they stay out of it as long as they possibly can. And
0: they're just like yep. heckling him. Yeah, because I mean, oh, I I do love that. And they're and you're right. And they're they're so good in that. And I like even oh, what's super frustrating also is that Zemo gets away at this point too. You know, like I'm like, come on, don't kick your eyes off of him. The Dormiraje. I feel like they would have been more interested in in retaining him rather than fighting. You know, Walker and allies, basically, in Sam and Bucky. And and then of course Nemo gets away. So that's uh, I'll be interesting to see what happens there moving forward. Let's let's talk about Walker a little bit more as we get to that final build up at the the finale or the the, the conclusion of the episode. What what a moment, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I just am so blown away by. I mean, I would love to meet a person who's surprised that he took the serum. Mm-hmm. I would love to meet a person who is surprised that he has that much aggression in him, but you know, it's 2021. It's a weird time <laughs> to be alive. They've got to be out there. Yeah,
0: Seriously. And you got, you have this, you have this situation where it's, and it's again, another contrast to Steve. Um, John Walker loses his best friend in battle. His best friend dies. And right. as Steve in the, you know, first Captain American movie, you know, he, believed Bucky to have died you know
1: and where Steve is Steve is motivated by that to do like they're both motivated to action but Steve is cemented into we need to finish the work that we've started where John Walker is just motivated into Emotionally re- reacting to
0: right. punish someone. Yeah, it's it's you know Steve would not retaliate in such a way because he wouldn't he wouldn't or get into yeah. meaningless death or revenge. You know,
1: a better word I think is Steve is motivated to justice because he knows that Bucky believes he right. is that person. And he would do anything to be the person that Bucky believes that he is. And so
0: when when Walker's best friend, um, Battlestar, is killed in battle by Carly, you know, he's able to track down the one guy we were talking about before who talks about, you know, how he used to look up to Captain America. And we get the brutal, his brutal death where Walker uses the shield of Captain America to kill him we're like just hitting him repeatedly with the shield on the edge. And it, it's obviously, you know, we, it's a, um, allusion again to civil war, as we see with captain America doing that to iron man with his chest. But also there's an comic book where, um, I think it's, I think it's Steve where he's just in the comics. He's fed up with Zemo at this point and, or one of the Zemos and he uses his shield to decapitate someone, um, to to decapitate Zemo. And, that's where I thought it was going to go there. But to, to see the blood on the shield. Is such a jarring image.
1: And it's just. You know. Like if you've been following the cinematic universe. You know that our Steve. Is not ever driven to right. revenge. He's only ever driven to justice. And standing up for what he believes in whether whether or not that puts him at odds with right. Tony. And John Walker is so mindlessly driven to revenge that, you know, he wasn't there to hear that guy tell Carly how much he looked up to Steve.
0: He just that's the
1: guy that right. he caught. And he and
0: he's like it wasn't and me. It wasn't me, for you it. know. And it doesn't matter to him. He just oh. and the fact that it's it's caught on camera, I I think it's going to it's so funny cuz I'm always every episode more interested. I'm like, oh, I wonder, I'm going to be really interested in what they do with Zemo in the next episode. And then the following episode, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be really interested to in see what they do with Carly in the next episode. I'm really going to, I'm excited right now to see what they're going to do with Walker in this next episode. Yeah. You know,
1: I can't wait to see how they wrap that up because it, as you know, this cinematic universe, Steve hasn't killed somebody no. like that like he's killed people but not in such a bloodlust kind of right way that like it was blasphemous yes. to me almost to have that final scene be John Walker look up into the crowd and just see blood
0: yeah. dripping off of the shield like Steve Rogers would never right. yeah <laughs> and that's and that's that's the thing you know, that's everything that we were saying prior, you know, that we, we get alluded to within this episode about supremacy. It's what we see in regards to being a good man rather than a great soldier. You know, it's um, and I, I just I think it's really well done, you know, and I and I again, I'm just super excited to see what they do with that, because what interestingly enough, in the comics, the character of Flag Smasher um, is is a guy, his name is Carl Morgenthau, not Carly Morgenthau. Um, But he's actually, I I have to say, from what I've read of Captain America comics, Walker is reminding me more of the actual Flag Smasher that we see in the comics. And so, yeah, so I I feel like maybe there could be a switch there of some kind, because, you know, he is now super powered. And the question is, is like, what's going to happen when you try to take the shield away from him? so i'm just, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him and and maybe regret and his you know the actions that he made or what what whatever um it's gonna be interesting to see how the rest of the world looks at that and handles that um i'm just i'm i'm intrigued
1: yeah I'm really really loving this it of the trailers that have dropped so far it was the one that I was like, this is going to be the most like the movies. I'm not going to be as excited. They're not really doing anything different, but Mm. I think it's, they've added, like they've made the new characters interesting enough instead of just throwing people at you that like, you know, Agatha was interesting. And so WandaVision really landed for everybody. And then Carly and John Walker are really interesting, and everyone's getting all that meat that they wanted about mm-hmm. Sam and Bucky to drive people to continue watching yeah. it
0: yeah so it's it's been really really you know, great. and there's another player that we haven't talked much about yet, and i I'm interested to know what your take is on this, you know. The character of the Power Broker, who we haven't seen. I was just going to ask
1: if that's what you're going to say, because I have no idea who that is in the comic books, and I keep forgetting to look it up. And I, my lunch break is almost over, so I don't have a whole lot of time for you to tell me about it on this recording, but I'm definitely going to look up the Power Broker because... I saw somebody online say that, oh, you know, so-and-so gets their powers
0: from the power broker, and I don't remember who they oh, said. Oh, man. Well, here's, here's my expectation. This is my guess. I could be wrong, um, but we see a lot of conversations about the power broker. We see the power broker, you know, even texting Carly and, you know, threatening her and her group and whatnot. But you know who I think the power broker is in this? I think it's Sharon. <sighs>
1: I did see one random person say that they thought Sharon was super sus, and I just, like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so fond of her, but, like, in The Death of Captain America, she really gets the short sure. end of the stick in of that course. comic book yes. because she is brainwashed into killing Steve. Yep. Well that that's the comic book. We know that like civil war didn't go anywhere near how right. people planned it,
0: or at least how I thought it was gonna yeah. go. And um you're right. You're so right. Like, and so I'm I'm go ahead. Go ahead.
1: But I just have a soft spot for her because in the comic book she got such a the short end of the stick.
0: Well, I think it's gonna be interesting. So I'm just like where, no! you know, if we, if we look at, you know, the Captain American America movies, you know, primarily Winter Soldier, it is it is so much a a, a certain kind of film where it's a seventies espionage, you know, government movie where it's like three days of the condor, um, or all the president's men, you know, it's about just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not controversies. It's, um, oh, I'm just blanking on the word. Um, Conspiracies Conspiracies. where it's about actual conspiracies and not being able to trust anyone. And we see that with shield and Hydra and um, Captain America winter soldier. And I think, you know, even in this, as we look at this as kind of a Tom Clancy show in some ways, it's a lot of like moving pieces and who can you trust and who's in for themselves and what are their motivations? There's so many potential um, people on the board who are, You know, you have to kind of wonder and go, okay, where are they really at? You know, because we have John Walker, who's motivated in a particular way. We have um, uh, Morgenthau, who's motivated in a particular way. We have Zemo, who's uh, motivated in a particular way. We have Madripoor and Sharon Carter, who's there. And like, why is she there? Why does she still choose to be there? Who's motivated in a particular way? And I think it's going to really see more of her in the last two episodes here
1: she does have quite the attitude oh, problem yes. now, but to be fair, her criticisms of Sam are like, well, you, you
0: guys kind of left me yes. on the lamb. So no, I don't really want to. Exactly. You. Exactly. Well, Terry, thank you for coming back on. I coming know you're a on. big Bucky oh fan. So I was, I had to get you here. Uh-huh. Um, so thank you. And next week is the penultimate episode. It's, the the episode before the finale, so it's going to be exciting. What's going to what we're going to see happen next? So, um, thank you again for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. I will talk to you about Bucky Barnes
0: anytime you right, need me we'll to. Do and listeners, stay tuned again because um, as I said before, uh, my friend, our our good friend Landon, he's coming on, and we're going to be talking about Glory Road. Um, so stick around in just a second, and you'll be able to listen to that. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Extreming Disney, the podcast focused on all things Disney+. Plus. I am your host, Peter Eklund, and I just got to tell you, I am super, super excited about this week's episode. I bring on a good friend of mine, somebody who I spent a lot of hours over at the movie theater with, to talk about a basketball movie. You know, we're right basically done with the March Madness, so this is a perfect time to talk about basketball I brought on my good pal, Landon Cornish, Lando Cornishian, onto the podcast. Land, thanks for coming on, man. Peter,
2: no problem. Thanks for having me. You know, it's been a while, so uh, I'm glad to uh, get back at this.
0: Yeah, dude. So um, for listeners who don't know, way back when, when I worked at the movie theater, Landon was, um, he was a manager there who, you were a long time holdover for a while at the, At the movie theater. Yeah,
2: I mean, everyone knew me uh, from there and uh, just by my face. Yeah, I was there every day. And so, yeah, pretty uh, popular around those parts.
0: Totally. And I think my my favorite, some of my favorite memories of working were those boring weekday afternoon shifts. You know, when you get all the um, retirees coming in and it's super slow.
2: Yeah, you, yeah, you got the regulars. You just uh, got them their popcorn and drink, and then we could get on with uh, you know, talking about movies. <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking
0: about because that's what Landon and I always did. And we even we even in the downtime we would play games. We would do um we would pick an actor. We'd go back and forth um trying to name every movie in their filmography, and then uh, whoever ran out of you know a movie first and they couldn't figure out you know who what else this person has been in um that person would lose and so we did that for a while and we would incorporate other people who worked there but nobody could keep up with the.
2: I, yeah us. i feel like yeah i feel like we were the vets in, in that scenario we probably watched a little too much tv and everyone was there just, was just there for the paycheck so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's something that always bogged my mind there would, be, there would be people who would come in and they would really work for the paycheck i'm like so what movies have you seen since you've worked here it's like oh i don't go see oh yeah. Movies. I'm yeah i don't watch
2: movies i don't watch movies um uh Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't even like popcorn and I'm just like, Oh, okay. How (laughs) did, how did you get, how did you get hired?
0: (laughs) And so another thing that I should probably feel in the listeners is this is not the first time I've recorded a podcast with Landon, but it is the first time anybody would listen to one with me and Landon.
2: (laughs) Ain't that right, (laughs) Lando?
0: Yes. So way back when, when we were, when, when we weren't in Corona, when we weren't in a pandemic, when Landon and I both were working at the movie theater, I had the idea of, hey, let's let's do a podcast together. Because Landon and I were like, we were, we were definitely two buds when it came to talking about the movies and everything film. And I was like, oh, this would just be, this would be perfect. And yeah, so we, we tried our hand a little bit, but then, you know, this was before the anchor days, which again, makes everything so easier, so much easier when it comes to recording and making a podcast so it just kind of was too much work right man
2: yeah uh, yeah we had to meet up and like make notes and and um you know talk sit in front of a microphone and this is kind of nice this is uh streamlined for sure
0: yeah totally and uh, um man I, I i still think about that though i'm like how cool would it be to do that podcast but I'm i'm happy where we're at right now you know we were we were gonna go a thing where we were similar as the game that we were doing before we would walk through an actor's filmography every episode and so I think we started with um Leonardo DiCaprio and so some of his early things were like um what's eating Gilbert Grape apparently he ran across the screen in a in that movie Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore which was
2: and then we were blessed with watching Critters 4 of course you can't forget Critters that.
0: Four. yes that was first <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> oh man um so well here we are you know um this this podcast here streaming disney has been about a year um going so i thought well it's about time to bring landon on to to chat with me
2: about time for sure yeah i don't know why i wasn't on the pilot but uh
0: (laughs) yeah we kind of i had to work out the kinks before (laughs) i had to come on man
2: very true good point good point
0: um but i'm really excited to, to really get into our main topic here because um one thing about lando if we if he wasn't at the movie theater talking about movies with me he would be talking about sports and so i thought it would be a good idea to to get landon on the podcast to talk about a sports movie so isn't that isn't that right lando you're a big you're a big sports guy
2: absolutely yep you got the right man for the job
0: yeah because i think you know fantasy you did a bunch of that like fantasy yeah. specialties
2: Um, I played sports, watched sports, uh, fantasy for sure. I have like, you know, like three baseball leagues and I've done basketball leagues and I've done everything from like golf to NASCAR, you name it, you can do anything. And remember we did, I mean, a little, um, different, but we did also a game of Thrones fantasy, I believe.
0: Yes, we did. I think it was a few of us. We, would, we it was um we we picked a bunch of characters. We had our our picks, and then that was our team for that season. Man, that's going back, dude.
2: Yeah, nothing short of yeah, nothing short of fantasy for sure.
0: Totally, totally. So yeah, and and you know we're just getting out of March Madness, and you know really what's what I wanted to do a basketball movie for was this new show that's coming to Disney Plus this weekend. Um, this Friday, it's called Big Shot with Jean, uh, John Stamos, and it's about a NCAA college basketball coach who has to go back and teach college, or no, high school basketball for girls, and so I was just like, I was actually, I've never seen Glory Road before, but I was so happy when it basically starts off about this coach who was teaching high school girls, you know, basketball, to go to be a college basketball um, coach, and I was just like, it's like the inverse of of what you know. The show's coming this weekend.
2: Yeah, I noticed that too when we when I first started the movie. I was like, wow, we're going full circle here. It's uh, they're gonna they're gonna um mesh nice together.
0: Yeah, it was, I was I was I was really happy about that. Have Have you seen this movie before?
2: I have not. This was the first time.
0: Oh, wow. I so yeah, this slipped, is new for both of us.
2: Yeah, slipped through the cracks, honestly. I don't know what I was doing in 2006, but um, I feel like I just missed it.
0: You were, were you at the movie theater at that time? Oh,
2: absolutely. I was definitely there. So I was working when we had it. I must have... I don't know what happened, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that we wouldn't have gotten it, you know? Oh,
2: we definitely got that.
0: Dude, so how much... I know you're you're not at the movie theater anymore. You weren't working even when things shut down with the pande- pandemic, neither of us were. Um, how much are you missing the movies? Or I know you have another little one. Don't you have two kids now?
2: Yes, yes. I had a girl. Um, she's a year and a half now. So I uh, added a second child. So yeah, I'm pretty busy. And um, I don't even think I would, you know, I kind of stopped when you have a family, you know, doing the... the uh, the movies after hours and all that fun stuff. So like, you know, had, like
0: employee showings. Yeah, employee
2: showings and yep, yeah, stopped doing that. So there's a good chance that um I wasn't able to, to watch these movies when they came out. So
0: Okay. Yeah, you, you you're gonna probably go from being like even when theaters open, you're gonna go from being able to see everything to really like what's a movie? What's a theater?
2: Pick and choose. I know, right? I have to pick and choose, you know, what I want to see. I really have to love it <laughs> to a lot of time.
0: Ad- <laughs> You're really advocating to me for the fact of not
2: having
0: <laughs> <to do> that. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, it's surprising that you missed this one, dude. Yeah. Considering it's right up your alley, I feel like.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Um but uh uh I watched it and I and and I liked it. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, me too. I, and what's, what's also interesting about this movie is, you know, there's some Disney sports movies. A couple weeks ago, me and my buddy Chris, we talked about The Mighty Ducks. And this is such a different, it comes from like a different era of sports movies for Disney. It's not the silly kids, teenagers, you know, playing sports movies like Mighty Ducks or The Big Green or stuff like that. This is like an era of films that Disney would do where it would document or not document, but it would retell a story, a biopic around true life sports stories. And I think that's pretty cool. Like along the lines of Miracle and remember the Titans and stuff like that. And the rookie. The rookie. Yeah, that's right. You know, I haven't seen that one. either. Dennis Quaid me
2: either. Apparently, apparently I need to, uh, I need to step up my uh, Disney sports game. So.
0: Landon, you're my sports (laughs) guy. What the heck, man? I know. uh, Next uh,
2: guest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know if this is going to work out now. I uh sorry.
0: <laughs> My man. Um but yeah, this is this is a very interesting movie. Um yeah, what were your general thoughts of it?
2: Um I thought it was uh, a good family movie, um educational for, you know, not only to like you said to kind of uh hit like a documentary, but also educate, you know, still the kids and the families who are watching. Um, it's a very inspirational story, honestly, and, um, a good message for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, I, I just, I had no idea apart from seeing the cover at like a, um, blockbuster back in 2006, I, I had no idea what this movie was about. I knew it was a basketball coach movie and I'm just like, oh, another one, you know what I mean? So it kind of got lost in the mix there. Mm-hmm. and i i really found this movie to be enjoyable i thought it was really well done and what i found to be very interesting about this as well is that this is the only di- the the only directorial credit for a guy named james gartner um he only directed one thing it's just this wow. um and he he didn't do television he didn't do anything and somehow he managed to make this movie and i don't even know who he is <laughs> so i'm like
2: could be a a good thing or a bad thing uh should have probably got some work after this for being his for being you know his only his only credit
0: yeah and the only other thing he did was he produced a short in 1983 called the last leaf and that's all his credits never acted never screen wrote did nothing Hmm, Um, so i have no idea who this guy is um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of intrigued by that. Well, that too.
2: Um, and not to mention that the writer, um, did a lot of work in, um, TV series like Boston public and the practice and stuff like that. And ended up making a uh, basketball writing a basketball sports movie who is now writing, um, who is the current creator of, uh, big shot. So,
0: Oh, is he really? Yeah. I had no idea. Well this man, you did your research, man. (laughs) This is full circle. How
2: this is high quality high quality stuff.
0: Totally. I love this. I love this. Um let's let's get into kind of the, the cast per se. And I think we really need to talk about um the main the main character, the coach himself. And of course my computer just died, so um I don't have any um you know back up here Uh-oh. as far as but let's just talk about josh lucas for a minute okay I, I think he is a total underrated actor who doesn't get enough work you know what do you what do you think
2: yeah i he's he's pretty good um i've seen him in i think a few things do you know what what his his work was before this that got him this role
0: oh man um well i got a oh wait 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 no
2: um wasn't it uh with reese witherspoon
0: yeah sweet home alabama
2: Alabama is what i remembered him from i mean i don't know if that was the launching point for this but you know that i think that's what i did see him in before this so that's Mm the only um experience i had with him but like i still think he did a a pretty good job of being that um that hard-nosed coach you know who's yelling and making him run laps and and stern so
0: yeah he, he kind of a lot of times he i think he gets typecast you know he can he can usually be kind of the pill you know he can be a real antagonist you know he can be i think in a lot of things the the jealous boyfriend or whatever to the main couple of a in a romantic movie you know he was in the remake of poseidon which i think he played that okay he was in um, The Hulk, the, the terrible one from 2003 with Eric Bana. He was kind of the, the jealous boyfriend in that. You know, he was in Sweet Home Alabama. He was, he was in a beautiful mind. He was the guy who was competing against Russell Crowe when oh. they were in college in that movie. Oh, okay. So he, he usually will play kind of a scoundrel role, a typecast there. Um, and even most recently, he was in Ford versus Ferrari, where he played. He worked for Ford, and he was kind of a swarmy guy who was an antagonist to Christian Bale and Matt Damon in that. If you saw that, oh one.
2: okay, no, I didn't get to. I didn't get to with the quarantine. So,
0: I, I I really really like him in this.
2: I think he did a yeah, he did a great job. Um, he definitely hit hit the mark on the coach for. um for uh, West Texas. So
0: yeah, it's just, it's an interesting to- story too, because you know, he's, he's really hard on these students, but then he's also really fair, obviously. I mean, they're going through a lot, The, I mean, obviously the black players, which is, which is a huge part of what this story is about. You know, it's really the center of this, what this movie is about. And so I think he really does a great job. And I, I think we also got to give props to, you know, always the unsung heroes in all these movies you know, the, the family or the wives of the coaches and Emily Dechanel, um, she is, she's, she's in this movie and she does a good job, you know, and you really get to see a lot of the, the effects on the family, you know, through her eyes and through her experiences, you know, as, as people are disturbing their family and their, um, yeah, their lives because the fact that he is coaching um, mostly black players in the South. You
2: know and exactly, and um being you know being a white family and then having and then having to move and basically being turned on as soon as you know as soon as her husband um coached you know a team with the uh, black players all of a sudden you know now um they're looked down on and and they're not even and they weren't part of um part of it to begin with so know they got turned on and had to really kind of um look at that and and adapt so that was that was that was pretty hard i think for them
0: yeah and i think i think she does i think she's a great actress i'm ashamed i'm sad that she doesn't get more work i mean her probably her most famous thing was when she was on bones which is so interesting because jess just started watching that series um in the last month. So I'm like, Oh, it's her. Again, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, I didn't recognize her. I didn't. Yeah. That is her.
0: Yeah. And she's, um, sister to Zoe de Chanel. Um, which is,
2: pretty that is cool. very cool.
0: But yeah. So, um, why don't you kind of take us through kind of the story here a little bit and then we can, we can break it down. I'm going to throw it to you to make a do a recap basically of this, of this movie.
2: Okay. So yeah, like you said, um, coach Don Haskins, Uh, a girls basketball team coach gets an opportunity at a smaller um, uh, team in West um, El Paso, Texas called um, what was it? Mm -hmm. Texas Western, um, Texas Western, Yep, Texas Western, and no budget, you know, they're just kind of hanging on. And um, they and then they don't even have any money to recruit. So they basically have to go by, you know, different means to kind of build a team. And they, and they found that the players that nobody wanted were black players, um, that didn't get recruited. And then they started, you know, looking around all places, New York city, um, and a couple other places, and then found some guys and put them together and kind of coached them up and uh, turned them into, you know, a, a top caliber, top caliber team that ended up making it to the, um, the championship game in the NCAA tournament. So,
0: yeah, and they they basically went undefeated up until you know close to the end there. So it was very, it was a very impressive. Yeah,
2: game. they lost. They lost uh, uh, one game to Seattle in the end there.
0: Mm-hmm. But then they went that didn't that didn't keep them from playing in the championship game. It no, just, was it was Kentucky? Kentucky. Yeah,
2: no, it just it just um it ruined the undefeated season, which you know would have been even crazier. If they if they yeah. pulled it off, but it's all about the big game, big tournament. So,
0: yeah, which is kind of funny they they lost kind of I, I guess you could say in the preseason to before March Madness, but then we got to see no games within like the March Madness bracket up until the championship game. Were they doing March Madness I th- then?
2: I believe so. Honestly, I think there was still a tournament, but it, you're right. Like it didn't it did they didn't portray that in the movie. So, and I mean like. Uh, the pacing, the pacing of the movie did seem a little off, even though the runtime of two hours, it did. The pacing was a little hard to kind of follow. They were jumping around. So it, it was a little confusing.
0: Yeah. And kind of much like, remember the Titans, where, you know, it's it's about a real integrated team of, you know, white students and black students. Um, they really have to kind of come together and be a team, which I think is really powerfully you know, on display within remember the Titans, but I think this movie does a really good job with that as well. Cause you get, you know, getting to know all the characters, getting to know all the players, you know, and just kind of what makes them tick and just who are they?
2: Yeah. All the white players, all the black players came together. Um, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, they didn't really get along, but it, it seemed to more focus on, on uh, being, being a team rather than an individual with the movie. So I think you have to give it up to the to the players who actually you know accepted that and um in the the movie portrayal anyway accepted that and um kind of accepted the black players,
0: yeah, was there um i mean we we kind of get a bunch of different storylines is there any particular storylines amongst the players that you want to talk about
2: um i mean as as a whole like getting getting the opportunity I think was, you know, the biggest, the biggest story, the biggest adversity that they had to face. Like when he first recruited, um, what is it? Hill, the guard there was a Bobby Joe Hill. Um, Yeah. When they first recruited him, you know, he, it wasn't even in his, in his head that he would, he would be given a chance. Like it was just a joke to him. So like to get the opportunity to, even make a team you know to be on the team um was was something that they didn't see happening so i feel like Mm -hmm. that as a whole was was the biggest the biggest thing
0: yeah and it it is really crazy to watch especially like when they get towards the end of the movie and that that they have that meeting before the last game and they decide that he's going to start and play only the Blacks.
2: Yeah, that surprised me. I, I didn't see that coming.
0: Which was so incredible to see, you know, like, thinking of that times, like, here we are, we have the opportunity to play the biggest game in college basketball ever, you know. And at that time, during, you know, the world as it was, with all the um, adversity that they were getting in regards to having predominantly Black players, especially in the South, what a huge statement! It's like this is the way that we want to win. Win. This is how we want to be remembered. And I, I was, I was moved, man. It was, it was. Awesome. And it
2: goes. to, He must have needed. He felt like he needed to subtly get these players in because it wasn't accepted. So it must have been. It took you know the whole season to to be able to to not get um, scrutinized for doing this. I'm sure. Like in the beginning, maybe a few started, you know, and then towards the end, he was like, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna put them all in. And, and it, it turned out to, to work out in the end.
0: You have that scene kind of early on when he starts two or three players, I forgot what it was. And the main guy who is, or one of the guys who basically gave money to the school was kind of like, look how far down we've come is this really what we've come to, right and they
2: were mean? winning so, yeah and you see,
0: right <laughs> yeah that's the that's the real stupid thing like they have to win in order for him to really feel like it was worth it you know what i mean for this guy to see that oh it's important that these guys
2: yeah there's a lot of underlining um uh factors you know when it comes to college sports and and unfortunately money is the root of all of it so
0: Right. And I think, I think that's, I mean, there's, there's troubling things even about that that still kind of go on today, yeah. you know, where like when we, when we have conversations, even about, I think race nowadays, and when it comes to these um, African American players or these other, you know, other players and they, they make statements and it's just like, why don't you just focus on playing basketball, you know, and making your money. And it's just like, cause you're making us money in a sense. And you know what I mean? Or you're entertaining us. And it's just like, it's, this movie, I mean, I think, I was thinking about this movie takes place in the mid-60s. I was born in 85, so 20 years before I was born, this is where we were at. And, tw- you know, being 35 now, I'm like, 20 years has not seem that long, Yeah, you know? And so I'm just like, it really kind of stuck with me that this was not that long ago, per se. I don't know if you've experienced that as, as you're an as older <laughs> Lando. It feels like the 60s is not that long.
2: Ago. I don't know, man. Really like, now I feel like I feel like the 80s, and 90s, when we grew up, seems pretty far, <laughs> pretty, pretty long ago. It seems now.
0: Oh man, I don't know. I still, Maybe <laughs> I'm still living in the 90s. I part of me feels, but yeah, yeah. So,
2: I, and the funny. Go ahead. And the funny thing is, is I wanted to say, um, the way that you know West Texas had to, sorry, Texas Western, split mixing that up. Texas Western had to recruit, and they played Kentucky in in the championship game. And now, who's the number one uh, recruiter in college basketball today?
0: Oh, is it is it him? Is it Adolph? Um...
2: It's not him, but it's Kentucky in general. Okay. They they you know the way that they recruit is is definitely the way that you know it started with uh Texas Western and now Kentucky is you know they ha- they competed in in the way that um they co- they recruited and now and now they're the top recruiter in the country for college basketball so so it's funny how that turned out
0: man i know we're kind of still bouncing back and forth but man again in that last game as you know we see kentucky going up against texas western and john voight plays um the opponent he plays the coach um for kentucky and they they come out on the um the court and you're seeing things like the confederate flag is all over the place and i'm just like oh my goodness yeah you know yeah. it was very jarring so,
2: um they yeah disney did a good job um with the crowds and the the basketball uh, stadiums and and stuff like that, I feel like they really captured the mood of what it might have been like and just the the style in general, the yeah. filming style. So,
0: um, yeah. So we we have with Bobby Joe Hill. I mean, we got we got different storylines within this, you know, because all the players kind of mostly the black players. I mean, we don't really get much storylines with the white players, to be honest. But that's okay. You know, it's not it's not really their movie.
2: No, it's not um, their story.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really the, the black characters movie and then also um, Coach Haskins. And with Bobby Joe, one thing that I thought was interesting because he's, he's dating this girl and I was watching her and I was like, who is she? She looks so familiar. Mm-hmm. You know who she was?
2: No, I, I didn't. I didn't recognize her.
0: She was the youngest daughter in um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, really? Tatiana Ali.
2: The youngest, cool. Yeah,
0: she was Carlton's and Lisa's younger sister, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> like, <laughs> I watch that show all the time. I love *Fresh Prince Bel Air*.
2: Nice. That yeah, that's that's cool then. Yeah.
0: Um, but we have you know that storyline because I mean he's he's really the key player. I think you know he's, you know he's the coach's favorite. I don't think that's a you know a real bad thing to really point out. Um, but he was with him from the beginning. You know. But then but then we got some other we got some other players that are kind of noteworthy. I think the one that really stands out to me that's interesting is the story of um the really tall player. I don't know if he was their forward or center. I don't think it was his center because center was Sachin A. S. Kerr, who is like that huge dude. But I think it was one of the forwards where he had a heart problem. Right. He was so big, which is a common thing for people who are that that size, that really you know, inhib- inhibited him in the second half of the season, which was such an interesting story. You know, especially when you get to that scene between the coach and his and his mom.
2: Yeah, that was a touching. That was a touching moment, just to, cause how big, just just so he understood how big like this was to him, and he was willing to risk his health, um, to be a part of it, and then it turns out like. It is one of the biggest moments in in college basketball, and and if he were to miss out on that, it would have been it would have been pretty upsetting.
0: Yeah, and so like that championship game when they when that really big guy gets fouled out, and you know, and Haskins puts him in, it's it's really it's really incredible. I mean, I just I love that scene between the mom and and the coach where she's really appealing to Coach Haskins and just saying, listen, this is the only opportunity he's ever going to get for something like this.
2: Yeah. It's a big, you know, mo- is- it's a big moment. And, um, you know, yeah, it may not, you know, he may not play after this. So.
0: Or he may not live long
2: after this or that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so it's
0: yeah. like Wow. Wow. You know, it's so like, let him have those, that lasting memory. Um, so who, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, is there a particular player you're interested in?
2: Um, let's talk a, let's talk a little bit about the uh, comedic relief I feel like there was some some really funny moments that kind of were very uh esque and um and you know just making you laugh okay. so i enjoyed uh i enjoyed some of the um some of the one liners that they had
0: okay like what i don't, i'm not i don't remember any of these so
2: oh oh uh i thought it was hilarious when um well when it first started off, when he was doing that, playing with his his kids basketball in the driveway, and that bounce pass caught his son right in the middle of the face, having kids and stuff, that was kind of funny. I think that was a good. I think that kicked it off with, you know, they're gonna try to throw some some lightheartedness into, you know, a very serious, uh, important story like this. But that was funny, and you get that, um, with,
0: you get that with Parker and your your new little one. And
2: yeah, like man, that, that happens all the time. You know, you're gonna have slips and trips, especially <laughs> when you're bad. playing. Yeah, especially when you're playing sports and you don't want to lose to your kid, so you know from the get go, you're you're trying a little harder than you should be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so that that's my, that's a cool thing. You kind of get to have you have you done much with Parker? How old is he at this
2: point? Parker's six. Nice. Yep. So yep. Has
0: he has he shown an interest in sports?
2: Um, not really. I mean, he he kind of takes after his dad, and I mean, we're playing sports games. We play a lot of video games, but we're playing sports games, so like. You know, he takes an interest in, like, football and, and baseball and stuff like that. But when we get outdoors, it's almost like, eh, there's too many rules, you know. <laughs> I feel like that's the problem.
0: Gotcha.
2: But sure. um, um, uh, I loved in, uh, when they were, as soon as they got to the school, and uh, they were in line for the food. You know, it's Texas, and he was asking, you know, they're asking for different things. And he was just like, taco, nacho, burrito? And he goes, uh, uh, hot doggo. Hot doggo. <laughs> and he's like, Doc-do. he's like, el hot doggo. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that, um, that was very funny. <laughs> I, I like
0: that scene too. We're in the cafeteria and the, and the two, the team is, the team is really learning each other, you know, the black students and the white students, you know, and so they're kind of sizing each other up and there's a little bit of a competition thing kind of existing between them, you know, and I just, I like that scene in which it kind of busts out to be a, a little mini basketball game in the cafeteria. Yeah, yeah, with a head of lettuce. Yeah, Yeah, with a head of lettuce. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. You know, you got to see them relate to each other.
2: Yeah, they really tried to give... Because, like I said before, with the length of it, it did seem kind of long, but it didn't seem like they had enough time to kind of give each player a personality that you can kind of uh, relate to and and root for. Mm -hmm. So as much as, you know, they could, they tried to, you know, throw some lighthearted and give the characters a little bit of personality. And you saw that with like the jokes and the camaraderie between the, the, the teammates and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And I, I do like early on in the movie too, we don't get much with him later on, but the, the one guy who kind of got kicked off the team for a minute, you know, who wasn't really pushing himself to the extent that he needed to, you know, he wasn't, he was he was kind of there for fun in a sense and and that's yeah, what he was into and then the coach really rails him
2: i feel like you yeah know? the coach yeah, he they he he seemed like kind of hardened right out of the gate and he didn't really they didn't build up to that so like yeah he was he went from you know coaching all girls it seemed like he you know i don't know if he was successful with them but he didn't seem like he was that hard on them and then all of a sudden he's like kicking kids out of, off the team and like And definitely, um, definitely getting discipline and being hard on them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's that's a very interesting thing. You know, he didn't, he didn't take it easy on these guys who basically were not given a chance before he was, he really pushed them. And I think he really kind of said, you know, we don't want to be an example in a negative sense, you know, as far as what we're going with here, we don't want people to be like, Oh, you see, this didn't work. To have black players predominantly black players on the team you know as kind of well that's why because black players can't play you know what i mean he didn't so he really pushes them hard you yeah. know and he he doesn't cut them any kind of slack and he he really tries to i like that there's learning for him as well mm-hmm. because he says no you're playing you're not playing street ball you're playing ncaa ball mm-hmm. you know but then they're like you get to that point where they're struggling in that one game and, and, Bobby, Bobby Joe, um, turns to him and says, Hey, let us play our game. You know, just let yeah. us try. Yeah. And they end up winning that. So I like that there's an arc for the coach as well within this.
2: Yeah. And if you watch, you, you can actually watch the, um, the actual game, uh, NCA, uh, channel on YouTube. Actually you can, you can watch the entire game
0: really yeah
2: so i i checked that out a little bit and you can see you know in the beginning um it was a lot of just you know passing and it, it it didn't play to the style that they kind of introduced in the middle of this movie when they're like let our let us play our game you can kind of see that the two teams are totally different in the way that mm-hmm. they play a lot less dribbling you know kentucky is a lot less dribbling and more of like a um pass make a move and then shoot you know and then and then that's where it kind of this team this um their style of play definitely definitely adapted and evolved the game basketball so you could see that in the actual game itself
0: that's really cool i'd have to go check that out yeah
2: you should check that out i watched a little bit of it it was very interesting
0: um going back to kind of more of the comedic stuff there was another comedic moment in this movie that actually now that I look back on, I was like, really made me laugh. It was when the one the one player is struggling with his grades, and so the coach is like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get him to get his grades up." And you're like, "What is he gonna do?" And then you see the it's shot so well, but his mom coming down the hall,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she that's drove right, drove
0: down or flew down to like slap her son into shape. I love that. That
2: was that was great. I was yeah. Yeah, you could see the mom coming down the hall and you're like, oh, boy, it's going to get real, you know. And then she's in there with his she's in the class with him right behind him, raising her hand for every question. And it was yeah, that was really funny. Now, did you think was there a reason? Do you think he he wasn't applying himself or was it something where he wasn't working hard enough and she kind of got him? She got that out of him. Like, I, I wasn't sure which which one it was.
0: I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, he was, wasn't he the, he was the one that they recruited who was working. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was in school or anything. Right. And so he said, Hey, let's, let me take you to school, you know, at, at, you know, let me take you to college and whatnot and get you the opportunities to play. You're really good. And so I think, you know, he was, he, I don't, he probably just wasn't a great student. He wasn't in college. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they mentioned a lot about what he was doing before that as far as high school. Right. But, you know, I think his, his mom really saw the opportunity for what it was. And she was like, Hey, you know, you're in college. Let's, let's get this all going. Let's
2: try harder. Yeah. I must've, must've got him to, to try harder. And um, cause he was uh, he wanted to, he wanted to follow the footsteps of his father, I believe. Right. And where he was working before and probably didn't believe the establishment, you know, could, you know, really wanted to help him. So maybe it took him a little bit to um, to accept that and to apply himself.
0: Yeah, and so there is there's another thing kind of w- with that, I know it's a small thing, but the way that they even shot that. I mean, she's not a tall woman, <laughs> but shooting from a, a upward angle as she's coming down the hall makes her look imposing. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You know, and so there's no there's in that kind of a situation, there's nobody more scary than your mom right. coming coming to get you. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was... in, with you into shape.
2: Yeah, that was a great scene.
0: But um, the only other person I really, I don't know if there's any other player you want to talk about, but, um, the player who played, uh, Willie Worsley, um, Sam Jones, the third, he was the other point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Smallville. Oh, <laughs> Where he, he played, um, Superman's best friend growing up, Pete. And so I, I was just like, I recognized him immediately. Well, like, oh, look, it's Pete. Yeah. Pete.
2: I was going to say, you must've, you must have recognized him right away.
0: Oh, of course. <laughs> I watch that show all the time. <laughs> And, you know, he played an interesting character. And I think, you know, they could have given him a little bit more to do, especially when we get into the problems that, you know, the students face in regards to discrimination and racism, um, because, you know, he is definitely you see him. He has like a, a Black Panther poster in his in his dorm and whatnot. And so you you get the sense that, you know, he's he's with the Black Panthers to some degree or he, he
2: is with their teachers, Follows, you know? Yeah, he's follows there. them. Yeah. Follows them, so, and he was like one of the smallest guys on the team. I think he was like five six or something. So, like, you know, from a from a small age, I'm sure he was picked on and uh, didn't feel like, you know, he needed he needed to to kind of portray himself in a bigger way. And I feel like that's why he probably um, was into that stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. You're yeah you're you're probably right. You know, being being a short guy yourself, I'm sure you
2: understand. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's all I'll say. No um, comment.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. So I. 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 I think that's a good way to transition. Just kind of talking about really the conflict that these players faced. You know, because start. I. I think one player said it very well. I think after the Seattle game that they lost, he said, "Every time we win, it's harder for us." Right. And I was just like, "Dang," because they're becoming more and more in the stop in the spotlight so it's they they're opening themselves up for more and more scrutiny
2: yeah that, that's for yeah. sure and then you know with each each new game it seemed like they were getting uh traveling more south <laughs> and i'm sure it got a lot harder and there were some intense scenes you know like um uh when he got when he got jumped in the bathroom at the diner and i was kind of waiting for those um there were a few far and far and few in between, but that was one of them that stands out. And then the the hotel scene too. I wasn't expecting yeah. that that got, you know, that got real quick. So, so they did, they didn't hit, hit it too often, but um I feel like they wanted to get that in there. That was important.
0: Well, I think that scene in the locker room was really huge when, you know, everybody's really kind of fighting each other. You know, they're yelling at the coach, they're yelling at the white players mm-hmm. You know, and, and the white players are even trying to say, like, you know, it's hard for us, too. And they're like, it's been hard for you for a couple. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's been hard for us all our lives. Yeah, yeah. And it just it really I mean, it's hard not to think about stuff that's going on today. You know, when we when we see this in the film, you know, and we think, OK, this took place, you know, um, almost you know, oh, 40 to 50 years ago. But it's still happening today.
2: You know? yeah it is yep
0: um and i think the scene that really apart from that really stood out to me is when they were you know about to run in for their game and people are just leaning over and they're throwing stuff at them and pouring drinks on mm-hmm. them and i'm just like what <laughs> yeah
2: I, yeah yeah know, was, and then they had to go play a basketball game in front of them you know and maybe get cheers so it's it's like a double-edged sword i i can see why you know, it was so hard for them to go out there each and every game, and and like and and not think about that stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. tough.
0: And, and kind of on the positive light of it, I'm not kind of the positive side. And the good things that we see is how they, the impact that they have. Because as they're as they're playing, you know, and we're seeing the the racism, we're seeing the discrimination. We're also getting clips of of black kids looking in on the street at the, you know, the TV store windows and they're watching the games. You got the the black students over at Duke who are hanging out together and watching the game and cheering for them. You know, so it's just like, it wasn't
2: there. wasn't their players. It wasn't there students from uh, Kentucky too. I think they had Kentucky apparel on and stuff who were rooting, you know, almost against their team because they've never seen, they've never seen an all black team represented like that.
0: Oh my gosh, I missed that.
2: It must have been Kentucky. I thought it was Duke for some. No, second. I think they had Kentucky uh, um, attire
0: on. That, that's just amazing. It's so yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah.
2: You, you're growing up, you know, you want to see, I mean, it's still happening today. You want to see, like with, with the Oscars and stuff like that and women being nominated for directors and stuff, you want to see, you know, some someone you can relate to being represented, something that you want to do, um, seeing that you know is just all the hope in the world you know
0: man man um so is 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 there anything that you that you want to talk about in uh, anything else you want to talk about that last game itself or anything
2: um
0: the sports aspects sports sure games? sure
2: uh, i think you know like i said before um the sets and everything to portray a game in the 60s was shot really well and um i will say that you know i do i do like my sports my sports movies a little more uh other than the the topic a little more grittier um so this one was okay in terms of sports portrayal i think it was the story definitely outweighed the game even though they had um you know they worked together uh to get the outcome that that they did but i think um it was more about the story. The story, you know, the game was in the shadows, honestly, in terms of um, being, you know, being a sport uh, versus, you know, equality and stuff like that. So I would give it a solid, it was a solid sports movie. Um, but what did you think?
0: I thought it was good. I, you know, I think it's still so incredible that this guy didn't go on to do other things as far as the director goes. Um, because I was I really liked this movie I was really surprised especially even in the sports games like the last game when the the final you know the shot clock with the Kentucky and he makes the shot I'm like this foot is on the line what the heck how did that work you know what I mean like I'm noticing it and then um, when they finally called him out of bounds I was just like I was so happy. (laughs) I I
2: don't know. I thought that was so blatant though. Like they showed it. And then like 10 seconds later, I mean, I, I I saw that coming a mile away. Honestly, maybe I watched too many sports movies, but I'm like, Oh, it's, it's over. Like he's out of bounds. Uh, It was kind of, kind of, it was kind of the opposite for me. I was just like, Oh yeah, the game's over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I was, so I was in it and you were like oh please kind
2: of, kind of honestly because I was like well I mean I'm, I was glad it happened and if that's actually how the game ended um, it would have been a lot faster and there it would have been crazier um, during the time but in film form like you know they blatantly showed you it and uh, they're like this is gonna happen and if like the movie just ended where like they ended up losing <laughs> that would have been like the worst angle you know the worst shot ever <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. totally totally um and i also i just gotta say i mean john Voigt in this i think he's an incredible actor you know um but when you're you're playing a character whose name is adolph Rupp, i mean you're
2: definitely <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and I, it, it looks like he uh, it looks like he, it looks like, like, he like he, even he'd, he'd even want to go ahead I was going to say, it looked like he didn't even, even want to play the character. You know, he's like, this guy is terrible. Like, I, I, I want to try to make him as, you know, as nice as possible. I don't know if that was Disney, but just the lines that they gave him. He was kind of indifferent the whole time, you know. He wasn't too bad, um, but he, he was acted really well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get, you get moments where, you know, he says things. He goes over to Haskins in the last game before the game starts, shakes his hands and says, like, oh, you must be thrilled to be here.
2: Yeah, like, he, he, yeah, like, he, it was gonna be the only time, or, or, uh, yeah, it's, it, you got very lucky. There were a lot of low blows, but, um, I don't know, they weren't, they weren't, uh, too bad.
0: And I, I don't know if those were low blows, just in the fact that, like, because they were a, a pre- predominantly a black team, or if it was a, just the fact that, you know, this is the first time you guys got, ever gotten to this point. I don't know if it was, like fueled by race or just if it was it was fueled by competition if you know what
2: i mean yeah yeah you would have said that
0: to any team you know right right Uh, i I think he he was
2: definitely worried you know he was definitely worried and you know when you're that prestigious and and something like that you know your legacy is on the line and i feel like he was worried you know that that he was going to lose to a team like this and you know in the end it turned out for the better I'm sure he thinks that now, Um, but um, yeah, you you had, you had a lot on the line with something like that, especially for the times.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I think the last thing I just want to say, and I, I didn't like write down what, what happened with all the guys kind of in the end of the movie where like, you know, you always get that little montage at the end where it's like, it stops on a player's face and it's like, this person went on to blah, 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 coach a high school basketball team, you know, stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I I kind of enjoyed that part honestly. Okay. I mean, after they won and stuff, and they came off, and you know the the music was playing, and and they were they were just good acting in terms of like they were you know super excited. It was a very joyful scene. So so, and I enjoyed seeing. I kind of liked the true story aspect of it. Like I said before, how you know it was kind of little, it was formulaic basketball movie, but then when you when they when they give you the facts and stuff it kind of brings it back into like more of a real inspiring story so i kind of enjoyed that
0: yeah well and i think i think what i'm i'm thinking about with this what it it made me think about was what i love about college basketball what i love about like march madness is that i feel like the players play so hard you know Mm -hmm. they play so much harder than i even think the nba players play
2: yeah, and, then, and they're not going. Go ahead. They're not paid.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like for a lot of them, this is their only shot of glory. Not, not many of them are going on to play professionally. Yeah, you know, and so they they play so hard and they leave it so much out on the court that it's so much more fun for me to watch than the NBA. And so I just I loved seeing that. You know, it's just like I love that little bit of a reminder for me is that like for a lot of these guys, this was it and they they set such a tone for the rest of sports moving forward for college sports for the future
2: yeah you know yeah being the first you know being the first the first all black team um yeah i'm sure to be a part of that was just not only winning but you know moving that foot forward and 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 that is is amazing
0: yeah so with that, Lando, um, can you can you give a rating for this? I mean, usually when it comes to, you know, the movie reviews, we like to do it out of five stars or if you want to do it out of five basketballs. You
2: know, <laughs> um, what are would we, you say? Um, I would. Are you doing halves?
0: You can do halves. You know, do you halves. Can you bring some of your thoughts into why you're giving it the rating that you're giving it. You know,
2: Um, I I think it was I'll give it a, a three and a half. I got a three and a half out of five basketballs
0: okay okay um why is that
2: well, like i said, um as like a sports movie, you know it 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 was formulaic and uh um the the story was good and the characters were good and it was inspirational but um yeah, in terms of like sports games, I feel like it was more about you know the story than than basketball itself, so so that's why I thought it would be um, a three and a half out of five. What did you I, think?
0: You know, I think I'm a little bit more gracious on it. Cause I think I was, I, I want to see the story a bit more, I guess. Um, I mean, I like sports, you know, and I guess I like sports movies. I can't think of like what my favorite sports movie is. I think, but I think due to the story, I think of just the time that I'm watching this and, and the history and where we're at in the country right now. And I think the, I don't know. It really touched it. It tugged on all the heartstrings, you know, it kind of reminded me of even why I love shows like Friday night lights, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. which is so incredibly done. And it just, it kind of, I don't know. made me think of how much I love that show. And so I think for that, I'm going to give it um, four out of five hot doggos.
2: <laughs> nice. Nice.
0: So I think that's what it's going to have to be for me.
2: All right. That's pretty, it's pretty solid rating. I mean, it was yeah. a good movie. It was a good movie.
0: So, with that, listeners, um, you know what? We stay tuned um, because you're going to be able to hear more of the show. But I just want to thank Landon for coming on to the show and and helping me talk about this movie. I I mean, Landon, I I have to say, I mean, how could I not have you come back on, man?
2: Yeah, that was that was really fun. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Uh, we should do more more episodes for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely, man! I got I got some good stuff in store. I got some ideas popping for the future. Um, but you know, next week, everybody, we're going to be getting into our one-year anniversary of the podcast. So last week we crossed over into episode fifty. Next week we're going to be looking at a one-year celebration. So stay tuned um, for you to hear what we're going to be talking about for next week's show. So again, thank you, Landon. That was
2: awesome. Not a problem, Peter. Thank you. Talk to you later, buddy.
0: All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, Again, I was teasing a little bit on what we're going to be doing for next week's show, being the one-year anniversary that we have been um, doing this podcast. And so I'm just super excited to tell you that I'm bringing on fan favorite, my wife, to come on the show, Jess Eklund. And we're going to be actually talking about one. You know, it's so funny because this is actually both of our favorite animated disney film and so when we got together and we were like oh what's your favorite we're like that's my favorite too so um we just thought for you know the the one year anniversary we would celebrate you know we got a lot to celebrate i so thankful that you guys are listening and being a part of the show and so with that we're going to watch 101 dalmatians the original animated movie in which i gotta tell you i love this movie and I, I hope you guys like it. I hope you've seen it. Um, watch it again. It's on Disney Plus, obviously. And that will be what we'll be talking about for next week's show. Also, we're going to be talking, of course, about Falcon Winter Soldier, episode five, the penultimate uh, episode within the series. And again, we're going to try keep going with this new format where we talk about Falcon Winter Soldier first, and then we'll get into the main content. All right. So thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you next time on Extreme Disney. Bye-bye.